All right. Well, thank you, Hannah and Tyler. So we're excited about what you're doing with our kids. You're doing a great job, and uh, we're just really happy for what you're doing. And uh, youth that are out there watching, uh, please make sure that you participate with Tyler and Hannah because they really are doing an awesome job. And we're so thankful for what they're doing for, for Centerpoint and for our community. So this is a really good thing. So um, before we get started, let's pray. Uh, and for those that um, I, I'm doing this live on, on my post page rather than on the Centerpoint page, um, just because it happens to be working a little bit better here. Um, so for, uh, we'll just do it that way, I guess, for right now. Let's pray for a minute. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we are just so thankful that we have the opportunity to come into your house today, even if we're remotely uh, doing this, even if we're sitting at home in our, the comfort of our favorite chair, uh, we still can be in the presence of the Lord because we know that you are so, um, so much bigger than us, and we're so thankful and grateful for that. So, Lord, I just pray that you would just have your way in the heart of your people. I pray, Lord, that we would be uh, put at peace and put at ease with uh, all of the social distancing and all of the uh, fears of what this vi- uh, coronavirus is doing in our community and our world. And, Lord, we just surrender to you. We recognize that you are our king, you are our master, and we are your children. We've been adopted into the family of God, and so we're thankful for that. So now I just pray your comfort and your peace, and I pray, Father, that you would just be glorified today in everything that's done and said in all churches, on all Facebook Lives, on all YouTube accounts that are running right now, your word. We just pray that it would be glorified and it would magnify the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, Centerpoint, I just wanted to uh, give a couple of announcements. I know earlier this week I did a couple posts um, and inviting those that would like to to come into the church uh, to pray. Now, I know that some may feel that that's dangerous, but I just want to give you assurance that what we're doing is common sense. We're not asking you to congregate. We're asking you to come when it's convenient for you and your schedule. Like I said, we would have the door open, uh, the automatic locking door here open at 5 in the morning through 10 o'clock at night. Um, come on in at your convenience. If there's somebody here and if you're uncomfortable, well, then just come back another time. That's fine. But we are asking you that when you do come in, that you would, on the table right there as you walk in, there's some hand sanitizer, uh, a, a pad or wiping cloth. Just take one and uh, wipe your hands down. Wipe any surfaces that you, uh, before you touch them and after you touch them. Uh, that would be that would be wise. Uh, we'd appreciate that. Also, uh, if you would just sign in there that you've been here. Uh, the security cameras are on anyways, <laughs> so we'll have a record anyway. But we just want to encourage you to come in and pray. And then uh, you can go in the sanctuary, flip on a light, uh, turn some music on, uh, bring your Bible, bring a coat, a little bit chilly in there, but it's okay. It's just a, the, the atmosphere is really good, and the presence of the Lord um, is in this place, just like he's in your home and just like he's in your heart. Obviously, you don't have to come here to do this, and I totally understand that. But I just want to encourage us to pray. I need to encourage us to pray now more than ever. Another idea that was actually Hannah gave this idea to me, and I think it's an awesome idea, and that is that we prayer walk around the hospital. That we go up, again, at your convenience when it's possible for you, and you can even drive your car up there. You don't even have to get out if you wouldn't like to. But just position yourself around the hospital and just pray for protection for our hospital workers, for our nurses and our doctors, for those that are in the hospital. 
And here's the thing that's really cool about this is that you can be around the Charlevoix Hospital, but in, in spirit, you can be around every hospital in this country. Hmm. And you can be praying for every person that's impacted by this virus. I'm also acting, asking you to pray for our president and uh, Vice President Pence. We're so blessed to have a good, solid uh, leadership team right now in the, in the White House. We know Vice President Pence is a praying man, and that is so awesome that we have that man at that level. Pray for them, that God would give them wisdom, that God would give them understanding. Pray for a virus, um, an, an antibody, and a, uh, a way that we can fight this with chemicals and drugs. God's pretty amazing how he's created everything, and he has created a solution. We just have to ask him how to find it. So in the meantime, we do our social distancing, and we do the things that are appropriate, and we, uh, we listen to our government because they're giving us good wisdom, and we use our good common sense. God given, has given us a mind, uh, so let's use it. You know, when we say shelter in place or shelter in home or whatever that proper term is, what that doesn't mean is that we shelter our faith. Our faith needs to be more active and more alive right now than ever. The book of James says that faith without action is dead. James was a half-brother of Jesus, and that's pretty amazing. I love to think of it that way. Whenever I think of James, I like to recognize that he saw Jesus growing up. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. But more than that, he was an apostle, and he became a believer in Jesus as Jesus proved himself. And the book of James says that a faith without action is dead. So now, even though we're sheltering at home and we're avoiding crowds and we're avoiding people, and that's all good, but that doesn't mean our faith is sheltered. That means that our faith needs to become more alive now than ever. We need to be, to be putting our faith into action, whatever that looks like, whatever that means. If it means bringing some uh, food to someone that is uh, maybe unemployed right now, uh, setting it on the doorstep, <laughs> ringing the bell, texting them, then running away into your car. <laughs> Whatever that looks like, we need to put our faith in action. And part of that is praying. So I just would encourage you to do that today. So we are back in our Holy Spirit series. And our series is um, talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, what a timely group of messages right now that we are studying because the fruit of the Spirit is so vital in our lives. And so for the next few minutes, we want to talk about um, the next fruit. So let me ask you a question. Do we remember why we are taking the time to discuss the fruit of the Spirit? Why are we doing this? Well, it's because it's in the very nature of God. We are doing this because God is the very nature of the fruit that we're talking about today. God's character is the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus operated in the fruit of the Spirit every day of his life. And if we're going to be more like Christ, then we need to operate in the fruit of the Spirit just like Jesus did. And it's by us cultivating in our lives the soil in our hearts that we would allow the seeds of the fruit to be planted and we would nourish them and we would tend them and we would develop those that in that case we're actually developing in ourselves the very character of God which is a pretty amazing thing to think about, that we can be not God, but we can be like God in his character because that's the way he's created us. And like I've said already, in the times that we're in right now, um, this is even more important that we're allowing the fruit of the Spirit to grow in our lives 
and to be evident in our lives because that's the thing that makes us Christ-like, and that's the thing that makes us attractive to the world. So what is the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We're going to be talking about kindness today. We've talked about love, joy, peace, and patience, but we're going to be talking about kindness today. And and I will say that as I have been studying this and praying about this over the past weeks, it's becoming more obvious to me all the time that the fruit of the Spirit truly is a super supernatural fruit, meaning that it's something that I cannot generate in my own ability. Now let's think about that a minute. Remember, we're talking about God's character because God's character exhibits the fruit of the Spirit. That in itself is enough for me to realize that if I'm going to have the fruit of the Spirit in my life, then it must be a supernatural fruit. Because if I'm going to have godly characteristics, it's not in my flesh. It's not in my ability to have it. It is a supernatural uh, fruit that the Lord grows in his uh, children's lives. Now, we're born with a certain disposition, and we know some people are just nicer than others. I get that. We have uh, a disposition of goodness and kindness to a degree, and and some people are just a little bit more fun to be around than others. Uh, I understand that. And and maybe a few of those factors that would influence that would be maybe our upbringing. Maybe some had better parenting than others, and um, maybe we have better life circumstances than others. Maybe we're uh, for healthy and wealthy and overall in good condition, that it's easy to be kind and it's easier to be good and it's easier to have the fruit of the Spirit, at least in a, in a worldly perspective. But these are some things that, these are just a few things that actually might affect our general dis- disposition. But the fruit of the Spirit that we're talking about now is more than just simply being a good person. It's more than just simply living according to the standards of the world. We're comparing ourselves against somebody else. And I'm I'm nicer than Joe or I'm better than Sally or I'm I'm that's not the point. We're not comparing ourselves when we when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Because if it was in my ability to do that, if it was in your ability to have the fruit of the Spirit the way God has the fruit of the Spirit, then what does that say about God? It's really bringing God down to our level. And that's not where God's at. God is so much higher than us. His ways are so much higher than our ways. So if we can bring God's character into our flesh, man, then what we're doing is that we're really, um, let me just say it, we're insulting the character of God because there's no way that I can be godly in that way. So I need to look at it the other way around. I need to make the fruit of the Spirit a supernatural fruit, and I need to be... um, striving for that in my life. I hope that makes sense. Think about that a little bit and just ponder that, and I hopefully it'll, it'll make more sense. The other thing I was tempted to do, because when we look at the fruit of the Spirit, we see that there's kindness, goodness, and gentleness. Well, and they all almost are saying the same thing, and so I was tempted just to group them all together into one lump sum message called kindness, goodness, and gentleness. But as I saw the fact that God listed them separately, that he must want us to talk about them separately. There must be enough content 
and what it means to be supernaturally kind, what it means to be supernaturally good, and what it means to be supernaturally gentle, that it makes sense, and we need to honor God and speak about them individually. So be patient with me because we're going to go through each one of these characteristics of God independently. Today we're talking about kindness as the supernatural fruit of the Spirit. So how important, how important in general is the fruit of the Spirit in our life? Well, I think this is really a key point, that we understand the significance and the importance of why we even developed the fruit in the first place. I'm going to read a passage to you in Titus. Now, I would invite you to get a piece of paper and write down these Scripture passages or get your Bible and open it up to Titus chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. Titus chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. Write that down. Go back to it later. Study it. Make sure that what I'm telling you is correct. I want you to double-check it. But this passage in in Titus chapter 1, this is a passage that Paul is writing to his spiritual son, Titus. And Titus has been given the the, uh, responsibility to set up overseers and pastors in various churches in the area that he's in. Then this passage is being written to overseers and elders in the church, but I want to read this anyways because it does have a pertinent value to all of our lives. So let's read this together. I'll read it. You can try to read it on the screen behind me, but it's kind of small, possibly. It starts off in verse 7. It says, Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Now, again, you may be thinking, well, Mike, I'm not a pastor and I'm not an elder, so this really doesn't pertain to me. But I really think it does. Because if you are a professing Christian, then this is the characteristics that we all are to exhibit. Every one of us, in one way or another, is an elder. If you're a dad, you're an elder, or you're the priest of your home. If you're a mom, you are an elder, and you are a priestess of your home. If you are a friend, you are uh, accountable to what you live and what you profess to be in the world. So I want to make this a very important point that the fruit of the Spirit is vital because what we're talking about here is those that are upright, those that are hospitable, those who love what is good, and those are characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is represented in, in the life of a maturing Christian, and we're to strive to grow, to be like Christ. That's the kind of person we're to be. So again, as we have been talking about the fruit of the Spirit, I just want to um, emphasize the, the significance and importance behind it today so that we realize that this is important. So again, Let's jump into what it means to be supernaturally kind. So kindness, the fruit of the spirit of kindness, is far higher than that of a natural ability that we can do on our own. The Greek word that is uh, given in the New Testament, the Greek word is krestates, krestates, and it's interpreted as kindness, and it means to be of good and gentle and kind disposition, is to be a kind, good, and gentle disposition. 
And what we're going to find is that supernatural kindness begins in the heart. There's a story that goes like this. There was a man who had a heart transplant, but the operation was a total failure. For the man was a mean man, and the heart was a kind heart. The body simply rejected it. The heart, the original heart of Adam and Eve, as created by God, was a kind heart. The kind of kindness that is characterized by the acting for the good of others without expecting anything else in return. Kindness is a selfless act. It's looking to help someone, whether they're going to help you in return or not. It's about serving where there's a need without expecting to receive that same service back to you. That's why it's supernatural. And we're going to continue to talk about that and, and, and emphasize the fact that this is a supernatural act of the heart because the heart of men today are not in the original condition that God created Adam and Eve so many years ago. Sin changed the heart of men. Today, the, the man, all of mankind, the heart condition of every person is fallen in their disposition. They, it is not the kind heart that God created. Kindness has been replaced with unkindness. Let me prove this to you. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, it says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. This isn't Genesis. This isn't that far after the original creation that man, after they sinned, how man quickly spiraled down to the point where everything man, mankind did was evil. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Once again, I'm just bringing us to the point where the baseline of where we're all at. So for those people out there that claim that mankind is basically good and basically kind, the scripture doesn't say that. Mankind is fallen, and our nature is not what it was originally created to be. Now, I, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm a school bus driver, and I haven't driven school bus now for a couple weeks, uh, but I can remember... Uh, as an example, that when kids got on a school bus ranging from kindergartners to uh, 12th graders, uh, especially the younger ones, they weren't always kind to each other. I saw a lot of, um, a lot of uh, I, I guess you could say bullying. I tried to stop it if I saw it. But I saw a lot of kids just being selfish. I saw a lot of kids just kind of being mean to each other on the bus. And I will say those kids did not have to be taught that. I don't think their parents taught them how to, be, how to be selfish before they got on the bus that day. I just think that's part of our human nature. And I think if you, know, if you have toddlers, if you've been around toddlers, probably one of the first words they know or they, they can speak is the word no or mine <laughs> um, or something like that. So um, kids just know how to lie. They know how to cheat. They know how to steal. They know how to tell on their friends. They know how to do all those things that... Um, are characteristic of a fallen heart. However, we're given hope. The book of Ezekiel says that God does some supernatural heart surgery when we get saved. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, it says, I will give you a new heart 
and put in a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. This is supernatural heart surgery. This is something that only the Holy Spirit can do in our life. This is why this is part of the fruit of the Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit does for us. The heart of men, flesh men, today is hard, and it's hardened towards God's word. It's hardened toward listening to what God is asking us to do. We want to go our own way. We want to figure it out ourselves. We think that we have a better plan, and we don't want to listen to God's word because God's word just takes away all of our fun. Well, let me say it again. There's no better life than living the life of a Christian, a man and woman that is truly sold out to Jesus. There is nothing more freeing, nothing better to live than to live a regret-free life with the fruit of the Holy Spirit being grown and uh, shown in your life. So don't believe the lie. Don't believe the enemy's deception and his lying about if you accept Jesus, you're going to lose the fun of the world. Yeah, you're going to lose the fun of the world because the world can be fun, but you're going to have a lot of regrets thereafter. You're going to have a lot of consequences thereafter. So if you really want to have a, a good life, if you want to have a life that is fulfilling now and forever, I'm talking eternally forever, then you need to have heart surgery. And it needs to be done by the Holy Spirit that he would supernaturally replace that stony heart, that hard heart, and replace it with the heart of flesh. That flesh heart is yielding itself to the Lord. It's saying, I want your will to be done, not mine. It's the heart that Jesus had. It's the heart that the disciples had. It's the desire, and it's the heart that you can have if you accept Christ. Now let's talk about the first supernatural act of kindness comes from God to us. God gave us the first supernatural heart surgery in this letter. Again, Paul's talking to Titus. We're going to go back to Titus's letter again. Chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. I'll read it. Get your Bible out. Write it down in your piece of paper. Titus, chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. This is in the Living Bible Translation. And let's read it together. But when the time came for the kindness and love of God our Savior to appear... Then he saved us, not because we were good enough to be saved, but because of his kindness and his pity. By washing away our sins and giving us the new joy of the indwelling Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us with his wonderful fullness, and all because of what Jesus Christ, our Savior, did, so that he could declare us good in God's eyes. All because of what? All because of his great kindness. And now we can share in the wealth of the eternal life he has given us, and we are eagerly looking forward to receiving it. So let's just stop here a minute. God extended his kindness to us before we were ever deserving of any kindness from him. While we were still sinners, while we were not at all godly or even listening to God, he extended his kindness to us through Jesus Christ, his son. And Jesus died on the cross for us as an act of his kindness. Think about that. What does that mean to you? Have you received that? Have you accepted that? And he did that so that he could declare us good in God's eyes. Again, it's supernatural heart surgery where we're replacing the stony hard heart with the soft pliable heart that the Holy Spirit would give us. All because of God's great kindness And then with that, we then can share in the health 
and the wealth of eternal life forever and ever because of that great kindness that God has shared with us. That's the first act of kindness. That leads us to the next supernatural act. You say that word with me. Supernatural act of kindness. It's hard to say when you're tongue-tied like I am. That leads to the next supernatural act of kindness, and that is from us to others. Hmm. That's interesting because this is where it gets hard. We're instructed by Paul in his letter to the Ephesians that we are to be kind in our disposition towards other people. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, it says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, it's interesting that in this passage, we're instructed to be supernaturally kind with the condition of forgiveness. So where does kindness come from? Let's talk about that. Where does kindness come from? Kindness starts with forgiveness. This is where God forgave us. In his kindness, he forgave us so that now we can forgive others. And by us forgiving others, we can then begin to show kindness. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 13. It says, since you have been chosen by God, who has given you this new kind of life, and because of his deep love and concern for you, you should practice tender-hearted mercy and kindness to others. Be gentle and ready to forgive. Never hold grudges. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Now, I'm going to talk about this for a minute because there's a key point here. As we forgive people, Only then are we able to be kind to them. It's hard to be kind to a person that you're holding a grudge against. In fact, I think it's impossible for us to truly be kind to a person that we're angry with, that we harbor ill against. Anger and sore feelings and and grudges, they will work against every attempt of supernatural kindness in our relationship with that person. We may be able to extend some good things to them. We may be able to be socially uh, pleasing with them. But in our heart, if if we have a heart, if we're harboring any types of of unforgiveness or, or grudge against that person, then I will just tell you the Holy Spirit cannot do his work. It must come first with forgiveness. Just as Christ forgave us, we must forgive others. Like every other fruit of the Spirit, it's a choice. We have the choice to grow it, and we have the choice to apply it. The second part, the second thing I want to say about this is that we are to put on kindness like a garment. We're to put on kindness like a garment. It is a choice every day to clothe ourselves in the love and kindness of Christ so that the world can see that in us. Because it's what the world sees. What we have on the inside is only seen by the world by what's on the outside. And here's a really interesting point, and that is, and this is true, I can't give you something I don't have. I could say I want to give you a million dollars, but if I don't have the million dollars to give you, then what good is it? I can't give you anything. Same thing about kindness. If I don't have kindness in my heart, if I don't have that supernatural act of kindness growing in my heart, then I really can't show it to you either. Kindness is something that starts in the heart, and then it is, it is shown to others 
as we allow kindness to continue to grow in our heart. It's a supernatural act, beginning with forgiveness. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 12. Again, write that down or open your Bible. Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 12 through 13. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. There's that big word again. There's that word that allows us to be kind in the first place. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any one of you has a grievance against someone. Then here's the thing that really makes it supernatural. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Again, we see that forgiveness is mentioned as a command to forgive others. And with that, we will, it will allow us to be kind and gentle to people. I don't think we can truly be kind to people unless we forgive them. So I work on, work on that. Work on that is something that you need to apply in your life is forgiveness. And as you learn to forgive people more, as you're able to forgive people more, then kindness will start to grow in your life. Another attribute of kindness is that kindness produces results beyond and above our own abilities. Kindness produces results beyond our own ability. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. It says, a, a gentle or a kind answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A gentle or a kind answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Basically, a kind person has a way to get into a mean person's spirit and have an impact on them that an unkind person couldn't. That's the power of kindness, that your spirit, your kind spirit, your supernaturally kind spirit has a way to impact somebody. The old saying is really true. If you want to have friends, you have to be friendly. My dad would say that to me a lot as a kid. And he's true. It was right. He would say that, and it's true. That's exactly what a kind and a gentle-hearted person is. This is the person that has the ability to make friends and have a genuine influence on people's lives because of that supernatural kindness in them. There's so much, so many ways to apply that, and it goes so much deeper than just having a worldly view of kindness. Another attribute of kindness is that kindness demonstrates Christ to the world. Kindness makes us like Jesus. And that's what the world needs right now. The world needs more people that are operating and living the way Jesus lived. It's interesting because if I'm going to be a Christian, back in the, back in the early church years in the, in the, in the, when the church was just beginning, a, the, the term Christian was really a derogatory term. It was used as a way to um, just call those people that were following Christ to be, oh, they were just Christians. It was a derogatory term that they were just called by because um, they were following Christ. They were like Christ. Well, today we call ourselves Christians, but are we really following Christ? There, they were really following Christ. They were really living like he did. They were really living in a Christ-like atmosphere and an attitude that early church came together and they were truly being Christ-like. So today, if we're going to have 
the badge or if we're going to have the title Christian, uh, in our America's way, it just says we're all Christians and we're all going to go to heaven regardless of how we live. Well, I don't know that that's necessarily true. In fact, that's not what the Bible says at all. We're Christians when we follow Christ. What more can we demonstrate to the world by being truly Christ-like to the world in our fruit of the Spirit with the supernatural act of kindness? If you want to please your Father in heaven, what better way to please him than to be like him and to be like Jesus? See, the world demonstrates their version of fruit, but the worldly forms of fruit do not last. They are not self-evident. They always come with a condition. See, a worldly form of kindness and goodness and things like that would, would say that I'll be good to you, I'll be kind to you if you're kind to me. You scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. It's the old with him uh, mentality. What's in it for me? If there's not something good for me in it, then I'm probably not going to be kind to you in it. And recognize that the enemy takes whatever God has, all the supernatural attributes of God, the enemy will take those and distort those, and to twist those, and to make them opposite. The enemy might have a version of kindness, but it's not a true version of kindness. It's not truly representing what God has, because the kindness that the enemy would give us would be a superficial kind of kindness. It would be a kindness that would only be as, I'll be kind to you if you're, if you're kind to me. Well, the New Testament writer Luke, he recognized that. And let's turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, beginning at verse 32. Do you think you deserve credit for merely loving those who love you? Even the godless do that. And if you do good only to those who do you good, is that so wonderful? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, what good is that? Even the most wicked will lend to their own kind for full return. All right, let's stop here for a second. This is where the supernatural gets supernatural. (laughs) Because I can't do what God is asking me to do in my own right. And I'm going to show that to you when we read on here in a little bit. Because the supernatural fruit, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, all these fruit... See, it's beyond our own ability to show kindness the way that God's God word is going to instruct us to. We need to take this. We need to take our kindness to, to a higher level, to a higher level that's beyond us into a way that we're saying, Father, we're going to submit to you and we're going to allow you to develop a supernatural kindness in us because of this next passage. Open your Bible up again. Now just look to the next verse, verse number 35 of that same chapter, Luke 6. It says, here you go. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be re- re- to, without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High, for He is kind. There's that word. For He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. Now, do you see why I said at the beginning that the fruit of the Spirit is supernatural? How can you even consider loving your enemies like this on your own? It's just not in us. 
It's not in me to love my enemies. It's not in me to look at giving money to people not expecting a return. It's just not in my, it's, I'm just not that gener- generous of a person, and I don't think you are either. <laughs> Some are more generous than others. I get that. But we just cannot love like God is asking us to love in our own ability. This is why it's a supernatural act. Remember at the beginning we said that the world is seeing us as a professing Christian. This is why it's so important that we, as we read about in the first passage in Titus about elders and overseers and their requirements, why we have to see ourselves also having to live that way because that's what the world is seeing. The world is looking at you. If you're calling yourself a Christian, the world is expecting you to be upright. The world is expecting you to be honest. The world is expecting you to be gracious. Because if you're not, then you're just like the world, and that's not attractive to them. So we have a responsibility. But our responsibility does not just come with me lifting myself up by my own bootstraps. I have to submit to the Lord. This is where forgiveness comes in. And this is how we need to exercise the fruit of the Spirit. Now, as I get ready to conclude today, I'm just praying that our time spent on the various um, parts of the fruit of the Spirit are making a difference in our lives so that we truly can apply them supernaturally in our life today. So here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. Would somebody go and practice what we've been talking about today? Would, you, would somebody go and practice loving people? Would you practice living in the joy regardless of the situations that you're facing? We talked about joy a few weeks ago. Keeping our eyes focused on Christ helps us to be joyful. Practice living peacefully with people in your life. Recognize that the God of peace lives in your heart and that he is in control of everything. And and he gives us the peace beyond our own understanding. And with that peace, then we will show people that we love them. Practice patience, especially today. We're so impatient. We are so... Um, maybe getting uncomfortable in this time of being socially separated. So be patient and practice being kind to people. So this morning, I just want to offer to you, if this is a struggle for you, I just want to pray with you. We're going to pray today, but I want to invite you to call me this week and call me and just, um, you can talk to me over the phone or you can come and actually um, spend time. I'd be happy to pray with you in my office. But I just want you to know that these messages are not intended to be left here. These messages are not intended to just be spoken once and then forgotten about. I really do pray that the Holy Spirit would bring these alive to you later in life and that they would later in your days and your weeks and you would just be able to recognize the fact that God does have something special for you. And uh, he wants us to be able to um, practice the love of the Lord today. So I want to just pray. Let's pray. And, uh, and I just want to encourage you to go practice being supernatural today in the, in the fruit of the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name. And, Lord, we are so grateful today that we had an opportunity to be in your house. So grateful, Lord, that we had an opportunity in, to learn of your word today. Lord, there is so much in your word that we, to, that we can learn and glean from. And I just pray, Father, that it would become real for us and that we really, truly would know how to apply what you have. Help us to receive it. Help us to submit to it. Give us that 
flesh heart, that soft, pliable heart, God of kindness, that we then can show kindness to the world. And Lord, I just continue to pray today for all those that are struggling, especially with this coronavirus mandates and the guidelines and for those that are sick, for those that have been uh, impacted by it. Lord, we just pray that you would just heal people, heal their hearts, heal their lives. Lord, protect the people around us. God, I just pray that you would just do your work, do what you're famous for, do your miracles. We just love you and we thank you. And we just give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.